ago it was yeah. technical difficulties technical difficulties and, and the equipment is exactly the same yeah nothing has changed except uh zencaster kind of fucked things up a little bit right i was really happy with the uh, mishka interview some of you got a version of the of it where we didn't have the levels proper so some people still have the um you know but you could hear them but the we really had a good show with you them. could hear them that's yeah. about as good as you could say about that initial recording. Yeah, you could hear them, but we were able to boost it. And um, I hope most of you, if you're finding like you're having trouble hearing him on your version, it just means that your podcast aggregator downloaded it and then um, you have to get the new version. But uh, so you can find that on um, middleagesrecovery.com. Listen to it. We got so much great feedback from Mishka and yes, including he, from Mishka. He enjoyed his conversation with us. He said, one of the best ones uh, in years. Yeah, that best like, conversation in years he's had about recovery, which is amazing, great. amazing. And he was so awesome, and um, just really, uh, <clears throat> really happy to to meet him. Sorry, the question is, why do some people put lemon in water because the citric acid makes it worse? Right, I mean, like right now, some uh, people like the refreshing taste of lemon. I know. Well, you know, I've got my throat. Obviously, I've been talking, talking, talking all week with this new job. So <clears throat> by the time I get to the podcast. My throat is is already shot. Oh, so I thought, all right, I'll have some. Uh, Mike's got this fancy water cooler that doles out hot water too, just like an office. Just like an office. So I uh, I've poured myself a cup of hot water. Are you trying to ask me for a lemon? Because no, I have I a lemon upstairs. I don't want <laughs> a lemon. One. I'm maybe saying, a little honey. I'm saying it's very refreshing as yes. it is. Why add lemon? Yeah, nothing like a cup of hot water. <laughs> It's really quite refreshing. My standards are very low. Um, well, you're an easy guest. Yeah. So uh, we should probably get started with the show. <clears throat> and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. As time starts slipping away and the great quickening overtakes us all like a great tidal wave of inescapable inevitability, we return this week for a closer look at self-care and recovery and how it affects us. All this and more today on a very special edition of RMA. Crack a beer, pull a chair up in front of the fire, and get ready to spend an hour or so with your favorite podcast hosts. No, 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 no. (laughs) Pick up your cup of hot water. Right. We're not cracking beers, Jesus. No. Um, uh, I saw something on um, (laughs) Facebook, and I'm I'm really, I hate talking about this, but about Facebook, but... um, Mm. Somebody posted this uh, picture of um, Gwyneth Paltrow, who like says um, she likes to start every day with a glass of um, of alkaline water with a with a twist of lemon. <laughs> alkaline water, right. which of course, once you put lemon and alkaline water, it 
makes it acidic water. <laughs> so there's no point. Yeah, but, that was uh, a thing, that special water that's like softer or whatever. Listen, you're a marketing guy. I mean, is that not the best way that you can sell water? You just say, hey, it's alkaline. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's you know, so pe- people will go out and buy it. These are the same people that buy candles to put in their vaginas and stuff. like uh, Candles in the vagina? And what about... Candles uh, that shape like vaginas or <laughs> smell like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I said, I didn't make it up. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow did. Oh, God. I had no idea. Um, I do know that I've seen ads for like Jesus water. Have you ever seen these? It's like these TV can you evangelists. Walk on it? You can't walk on it, but they can charge you for it and uh, it will cure all of your et- holy your ills. water. It's not even actual holy water. Like that's like the Catholic Church's fancy water. Right. This was one of these TV evangelists who said they got this water from Jerusalem, you know, mm. which I wouldn't drink. Um, yeah, if you not do without get boiling it, it. You know, and it's this magic water and you send us fifty nine ninety nine. It's probably not from Jerusalem. It probably is from a tap in Maybe Kansas. there's like a drop of, of Jerusalem water <laughs> and the rest of it is from, yeah, from Missouri somewhere. No um, offense to our Missouri listeners. I love Missouri. Hey, who is this show brought to you by, this Mike? Re- episode, this episode is brought to you by Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon. Yay. What is Patreon? I don't know. Uh, I wish more of you knew. <laughs> Patreon was. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's a members-only subscription service. Uh, you give us a couple of dollars a month, and we give you access to our super-secret Discord servers, where all kinds of crazy shit goes on in there. We have uh, we have um, we post pictures, we talk, it's we laugh, we cry. It's an amazing time. It's like real-time chatting, though. Like Facebook, our Facebook group is great, but yes. this Discord server is. T- turned into a monster on its own. Yes, we have our uh, uh, our morning crew that comes on early in the morning and bids everyone a fond good morning. It is, and in fact, it's so active that I had to put my phone on Do Not Disturb because it was waking my wife up at 5 a.m. Uh, oh, that was not a joke. That That's a joke. actually true. sounded like a It's setup. tragic. It's tragic. Um, but yeah, so everybody's on. Wait, that. you don't it's get great. up at 5 a.m.? You're a working man. You got to get your ass to the office. No? I, I, I'm closer to six, but... Okay. No. Uh, members will also get extra mini shows, pictures, exclusive merchandise for joining after three months, and an added level of support for our collective recovery. Go to patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages to learn more and sign up. Folks, Nat and I are not getting rich off of this podcast, but there are certain expenses that we have here uh, involved in just producing this thing. Uh, so if you could throw us a couple of shekels uh, or dollars or whatever your local currency is. Yeah, plus it makes me Australian feel Australian dollars. It makes me nice. feel like I'm being validated. British you know? pounds. I love to see that. I, I like to see when, when patrons sign up, it shows the uh, donation in their country's currency. Yeah. And then it automatically love converts it. It's, it to US. It's great. Yeah. And uh, where do you go? I just said patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages to learn more and to sign up. Thank you very much, Mike. And I'd like to just say, (laughs) welcome to all the monsters listening stateside around the world, down the street, across the table and right next door. Welcome all settle in, buckle up and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Where can they find us, Mike? MiddleAgesRecovery.com is probably the best place. That is our website. It's really good, too. Yeah, it's really good, too. You can listen to episodes there. You can buy merchandise. In fact, I was just looking at the merchandise today, the giant box of merchandise next to the the treadmill upstairs and wondering when when I can move it it out of there. It's hard to justify making more stuff when the stuff we have is kind (laughs) of sitting. The original shirt is almost sold out, though. That's pretty amazing. Um I don't know how many we gave away, but, uh, you know, those are going. And uh, if you don't know the shirts, 
you know, post- go, go to middleagesrecovery.com yeah. because the shirts are listed there. You can see pictures of them. Yeah, uh, Ryan's friend in rehab, actually. I just shipped one to him and Rhina or Ryan just posted uh, a picture of his buddy in rehab wearing the Recovery in the Middle Ages uh, original shirt. Yeah. Uh, in order to listen to the podcast, which you're already doing, um, you can find us uh, at all the podcast outlets, including Spotify, which we have not left in protest like Neil Young. No. Um, find us there. Leave us a review, please. Five-star reviews are great. Um, you can leave them on Apple. But I, I heard that Spotify overtook Apple as the main source of podcasts. Well, shit. That means we really need reviews. If Even if you've already, we've got about 106 rev- uh, ratings and maybe, I don't know how many reviews, but if you've already written one, Please go to Spotify and uh, give us another one. Yeah, do that. That would um, be great. We also have weekly recovery meetings. Uh, one right now, it's on 1130 on uh, Sunday mornings. That's Eastern Standard Time, or is it Daylight Time? I always mix no, those up. No, Eastern Standard Time, Sundays, 1130. Sundays. Yep. Okay. It's Daylight Time when it's Daylight Savings. So okay. I don't know if we're in or out of Daylight Savings. It's 1130 which is Greenwich Mean Time minus six hours. So long as it's not confusing. Anyway, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So, well, that brings me to the suggestion that you join the Facebook page because once you join the Facebook page, you will be reminded uh, the time of the meeting. I think Grant sends out a reminder a couple hours before the meeting. And me and Mike go. It's so great. We, we, We don't hijack the whole meeting. We're participants. It's great. You know, it's exactly what I always wished AA meetings would be like, you know, basically. Matt actually talks a little less. I'd I'd really, really, you know, (laughs) hold back. If you're having trouble finding the meeting, uh, just email me at miker at middleagesrecovery.com. Great reviews will be right on the air. Um, The best place to do that is the Apple Podcast app, like I said, but but we will take it where we can get it. Yeah. 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 And also, and people have sort of fallen away from this little business, but- you can tell us your story, your story of struggles, your story of recovery, your story of wherever you're at in your story between, you know, using drinking and recovery. We want to hear from you. We want to hear about your life because we care about you and we want you to be the best person you can be. And sometimes sharing the experience of your life with other people helps you take the first step down the road to recovery. So share your story with us. Yeah, there's a link on the website. Oh yeah. uh, How else can they share it? I think there's a- a Call the RMA hotline. Yes. Which is actually easier for us because then we don't have to print it and all that. Right. Uh, it's 516-888-6297. Uh, leave us a message. Keep it from three to five minutes. Tell us your story. Say hello or even tell us how much the show means to you because we like hearing it. Uh, if it's good, uh, if it's good, we may play it on the air. How, how, <laughs> I how would it be that. bad? I don't you know? know. It can't be You know be what, bad. though? I, and, I, and I say this with all due apologies to, to uh, Ryan because I don't think it was his fault. Right. He recorded a... a fairly lengthy uh, yeah. three minute thing for last week and we couldn't use it because the audio quality was just so bad and I don't know if that was on his end on Google's end whatever he took responsibility like a good okay. recovering addict he said my bad I had bad self-service but Ryan's doing great um, hopefully I'll get another update from him and um, keep keep him in your thoughts yes um, I think we have actually we have a story did this come in on the website this came in um, in a couple different places, and uh, I pulled this, though, from Facebook. This is a Oh, new, yeah. I saw this this one this morning, I think. Yeah, those, this is Danny, and uh, he's actually a patron. He joined us on Patreon. Thank you, Danny. And uh, so he was talking on, he, he wrote this nice little thing. 
Uh, ding, ding. That's the Patreon bell, I've just <laughs> decided. Another patron. <laughs> and he told a little bit of his story, and I said, hey, Danny, this is great. And he was at the meeting, too, so it was cool to oh, meet was him. Oh, was he? See, I um, missed one meeting, and all of a sudden, I yeah. miss all the new people. Yeah, so um, he actually went ahead. I said, go introduce yourself on the Facebook group, too, because there's like over 600 monksters on there. Mm. In any case, this is what he wrote. He writes, uh, I'm Danny, and I was a heavy daily drinker from being around... 16 years old up until 2014. Uh, I was 38 then, so uh, for 22 years. I then had to stop due to yet another health issue, and I got 14 months of sobriety by more or less white-knuckling it. Uh, It's true that when I stopped, though, I started to enjoy sobriety, and life got so much better, I got into the whole not-drinking thing. I've been sober 95% of the time since then. It's the 5% that's the problem. It's always that last 5%. It's the hard one. Uh, I've turned into a chronic relapsing binge drinker. So I get six months here, four months there, and then dramatically fall off the wagon and end up getting drunk for a week or more. That sounds like what I you know, used to go through. Yes, the binging. Um, I will drink morning, noon, and night, and the binges have gotten increasingly more dangerous. Uh, the last one was for nine days from the 27th. December last year, and I simply can't afford to have another one. I currently have 43 days of sobriety. Yay. Yeah. Sorry, I was on the wrong thing. And uh, But have been here dozens of times before. I've joined to get some connection, accountability, and hopefully sort my shit out. Anyway, thanks for reading, and hopefully I'll speak with some of you soon. Thank you so much, Danny. And I think yeah. this is the same Danny that was at the meeting and on Patreon, I'm pretty sure. Danny Bonaduce. If it's not, let me know and we'll we'll read the other guys. I um I have to say I relate to that business of, of having the last really bad um you know bender and the feeling that you're just sitting there and thinking, I don't know how many more of these I have in me. Yeah. You know, like I, I feel like if I do this again, I'm just gonna fucking drop dead. Like my heart's gonna give well, out or my that's stomach what happened, or any of this stuff is gonna give out. That's what happened to me. I was living a life like this. I'd get six months and then I'd chip away and then I'd fall off and then mm-hmm. until finally it culminated in an overdose. Uh and what just to clarify it's, 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 I was alcohol was what I was chipping with. But then I it brought me back yes. to the bad stuff. And right. uh, yeah. The 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 binging with the alcohol though, like that's something I can really identify with. Like I would, um, you know, I had my low level, you know, alcohol consumption during the week and like more on the weekends. But when I went out and I went out in a big way, like if I went to like a, a, a Grateful Dead show or some kind of concert or something like a night out at a concert for me would inevitably involve like days and days of recovery uh, because not the kind of recovery we mean. No, you know, I would go, I would go off to the bathroom and while I was heading to the bathroom, I'd swing by the bar and I'd yep. have a couple of drinks before I, I got back to the seat. And then I I'd bring that. like three back to the seat because tell the bartender it was for my, me and my friends and it was yeah. all for me. And you're by you yourself. Know, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but yeah, it was really, it was, it was after that night in the cabin in upstate New York when I had really hit it, you know, when the family was around wow. and I said to myself, I don't have too many more of these in me and what am I going to do? I'm going to drop dead and I'm going to leave my kids and my wife like, you know, I, so yeah, man, you're in a good spot. Stick with it. 43 days of sobriety is good. Um, and yeah, you've been there dozens of times before, but you know what? So, so did I, and yeah. some, and it's stuck this time, you know, and, and maybe it'll stick for you. Hopefully it will. Yeah. So keep it up and thank you so much for leaving that. We look forward to, uh, chatting with you on, uh, on the inner sanctum and, um, you know, give a shout out to Danny if you see him on the uh, Facebook group too and, uh, welcome him. Hey, 
You know what I got? What? I got a joke. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay, here it comes. Okay. This is a funny joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Al. Al who? Alcoholic. Al, you old fart. Come on in and have some coffee. Right. <laughs> That was uh, Jerry. Yeah, on yeah. our on our hotline. So that's what we kind of thing we get on the hotline, and uh, that's our good buddy J- Jerry who shows up uh, at the meetings and stuff. So <laughs> alcoholic, um, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, that should be the hotline for dad jokes. So okay, that's great. We can get dad if jokes. Nobody too. wants to tell a story on the hotline. Tell just leave us a joke. joke we'll please. Take bad jokes. So I'm going to read the review now. We got a review. Yes, we did. It's titled RMA. I like it. It came in on Saturday from former Frank the Tank. Uh, thanks guys glad to have found you doing this mostly myself right on man there is uh, something about listening to folks in the same situation 40-ish with families oh thanks uh, that hits pretty right on for me I've tried many times and this is by far the longest I've been sober every other time I felt like I lacked that step of connecting with others this does it for me and you guys have kept me sane for the last couple of weeks thanks again glad to be amongst her uh, Chris L. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. And we're glad to have you as a monster. I'm glad we do it for somebody. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Uh, thank you so much for... Are uh, you tired, Matt? Because you yeah. know, there's a lot, of, a lot of sighing. I'm sorry. Is that getting picked up on the mic? <laughs> like, it's been a rough week, man. Yeah, it's been you a need, rough We need to practice month. some self-care. I know. Self-care. <laughs> Is that the bell that when they're meditating? What's that bell? It's like... Bong. Oh, yeah. There's a few different... Right. I forget the name of the should get a gong too. Well, I would recommend, I know, maybe I'll talk about this later, but there is an app out there called the Insight Timer. Mm. It's a meditation timer. I've heard of this. And you press the button on the phone and it begins with a bell that sounds very much like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, All right. So we have a monster speak, speak, speak. Wait. Are you ready for the monk? What did they then have to let's take a peek the segment we call Monster Speak? I think that's going to stick. I'll, I, I'm, it's really growing on me. Like you don't a, like the other one? Like a black mold. No, this is the one, I think. <laughs> Nobody liked the other one. I, I think this is the one. I think this is it. So uh, for those of you who are new to the show... We do a Monster Speak segment, and uh, usually I'll put out a topic on our Facebook group or the Inner Sanctum on Discord, and, and just see what you guys have to say about it. It gets the discussion going. And so... And I he, forgot we were going to have to like bring it up on the phone. Yeah, because I didn't get a chance to put it on the outline. I said, hey guys, today's discussion topic is self-care. Uh, how does self-care figure into your recovery? This is great because it goes with the topic. What kinds of things do you do besides recovery? <laughs> is that an accident or did we do that on purpose? Bit of an accident. I think you did uh, on purpose. Recovery, direct stuff. Wait, and I said, what kinds of things do you do besides recovery uh, stuff to support your development and better your life? Um, so we got a bunch of answers. Yeah, I wish I could find the post. Uh, yeah, you just yeah. First one is oh, here it is. Maggie F says, "I read Not Drinking Tonight by Amanda White recently, and she said self care is anything that your future self will benefit from." Oh, one example she gave is setting boundaries, lessening. People pleasing is my favorite self care activity now, and she really got my attention yes. with the people pleasing. And I think uh, my response was setting healthy boundaries is huge for me. I'm still working on it, but I am so much better these days uh, with that. Uh, Does this mean like this self care by lessening people pleasing means you can 
walk around telling people to go fuck themselves go because fuck yourself. that would be very satisfying. Yeah. And I, I, is that self-care? Hmm. Mm. I don't know. It feels delightful. It sometimes. does feel delightful. Um, <laughs> I mean, one doesn't want to be an asshole, but you know. no, one doesn't no. do one. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Yeah. Self-care and um, Colette, the, pe- the people oh, pleasing. Oh yeah. In Europe, I was going to go to, I found it. Oh yeah. Uh, Colette says I walk for two hours a day and listen to audible and your podcast while I'm walking. have also been having weekly massages, which are amazing Ooh. on weekends. I nap in the afternoon for about an hour and I read every night before going to sleep. To me, exercise is key. Yes, 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 and yes, and no. Uh, I cannot stand the thought of people touching me. Do you do massages? I, 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 I just, it, it, everyone thinks I'm insane, but I just do not want people I don't know putting their hands on me. I, I don't like it either, and to make matters worse, my sister-in-law is a professional masseur. Oh. Is that the word? Or masseuse? I don't think they say masseuse. I think that's like... Uh, Diminutive or something. That, diminutive. Diminutive. Is masseuse like a... Diminutive. Uh, diminutive. I, masseuse, I think, has... Bizo- has diminutive. Diminutive, thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know if that's the word. I'm I don't either. Uh, saying it over and over. So I, I was complaining to my wife about my back or something like that last week, you know, when I was moving the store and my back is actually better today. Now that I've just said that, I've realized it's better. Good. She said, just call Nicole. She'll, you know, and she's been telling me this. Since this is your dating. wife's sister. My wife's sister. Have yeah, Nicole. no, I'm not doing and, that And, you know, I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't, like, make me look like a sicko, but <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm like, I'm really not comfortable with, you know, being handled by your sister. <laughs> I get it. She's a professional, and it's not like well, maybe I, if you say it that way, she... <laughs> But that's the feeling I get, you know, like, obviously I'm not having impure thoughts, of course, but just, maybe it's just the thing where I don't like someone touching me like that, you know, um, you get, especially just, your sister-in-law. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sit right with me. And uh, so I always have to say no, although I'm sure it's just all on my side of the table. I had a massage once years ago and I just laughed through the whole thing. I just <laughs> found it was ridiculous. Tickle Plus me. I'm very ticklish. But, Tickle me. Yeah. Um, who's next? <laughs> Kelly is next. Okay. Do you want to read Kelly's? Or sure. do you want to rest your voice? Both. I took up a daily yoga practice, says Kelly. Yeah. Started with easy, short video instruction on YouTube, and a month later taking classes three days a week. I'm hooked, haha. Aside from the physical <laughs> benefits, I'm noticing an improvement in my mental outlook as well. I can hardly believe it myself, but this new routine helped me quit smoking cigarettes too. Yes. I've never been a religious person. But yoga has a spiritual aspect that I am quite fond of. Yes, Kelly. Understood. I um, have always had a sort of a weird relationship with uh, doing asanas, but uh, the yogic philosophy is something that I'm very into. And I I recently reread the Bhagavad Gita, uh, which is a fantastic uh, book. Bhagavad Gita? Yeah, a lot of the answers to, to our life's burning questions hmm. can be found there and and it's a it's a wonderful text hmm. the spiritual side of yoga i find is uh, is really cool i mean we can dive into yoga and recovery in one of these shows yeah we could do that because i could get these bhakti i have these harry krishnas it's a long story yeah <laughs> but i can get some on the show if you would like i would all right thank you uh oh i get the next one amy says working out thank you amy yeah that's awesome working out is good now you get the next long one Christine C., one of our longtime listeners and monsters, says, I'm finally getting back to my old self, so I rarely sit down. I feel 
I got to stay busy. So it's cooking, baking, cleaning, crafting. But everything I do, I do, I do in excess, including drugs and alcohol. I'm the same way, Christine. Mm, yep. Uh, so yesterday I decided to go get an old dresser. I had poked away and started playing around it. Now I'm scanning the house for any or either drawer I can get my hands on. Already got two done. I'm coming up on six months on the 28th of February. And you guys really encourage me. Thanks for always checking in, Nat. Thank you so much, Christine. And I, I'm a, I have to apologize. I haven't been as active on the on the boards lately, but um, I think that's great. You're doing great. You know, um, keep it up. Now, uh, I think I'm the same way as Christine is, and and I think you're a lot like this. Where, oh yes. You know, part of my recovery and staying just sober. You know, I'm doing so much stuff. Like when I have downtime, this is a bad thing. Like uh, idle hands, and we've talked about so. Yeah, I mean, there's there's such a thing as too much of that, though, and I think she's sort of alluding to that. I, I think that's a big problem for people like us who who have have these addiction issues and and substance abuse issues. Um, like we really take on more than we we can handle because it keeps us busy, it keeps us moving, it keeps the little stuff and little gremlins in our head moving around. Like like today, like I've been very busy at work because you know the pandemic is ending maybe is it <laughs> something's well i haven't the, the, law, the restrictions are all, have all been loosened so um you know my my work is heating up quite quite a bit right uh and i had three conference calls today and um in between the calls i vacuumed my and washed my car because i didn't have anything to do during the like 20 minutes between each call. Right. So you're just filling up every yeah. empty space. And, then, and I realized how insane that is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I do it. My car is awesomely clean. Though. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that Can is... you do my car next? No, I would love to. <laughs> no. uh, um, yeah. I'm that same way. And before when I was, you know, running that store that wasn't busy, I had all of this time during the day. Yes. And I was doing so many, I kept saying yes to everything, helping with this, doing with that, this right. podcast, everything. And now um, I just went into this full-time job and now I'm trying to, fit that same stuff in. Yeah, you can't. Though. Uh no, it's impossible. So right. I have to figure out what I can hang on to. Luckily, I'm hanging on to doing this podcast because this is <laughs> my favorite thing to do, you know. So this is one thing I am not going to let go. Yeah, it's a, I mean it's a I find this to be incredibly relaxing, frankly. Yeah, you um, know, when I can finally wind down and get my mind focused. The only thing I'm like not crazy about is coming straight from work right <laughs> here. I'm you know, yeah. I'm not getting that real. But when else am I going to do it? I mean, uh, I well, don't know. I mean, you know, folks may see some subtle differences in how we approach the show. Yeah, um, maybe we don't need to put four hours into making the outline. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we we have a breezy conversational style that lends well to non-preparation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so moving along, uh, Grant says, I know you are tired of, talking about running, but that's key for me. And forcing myself to connect with old colleagues and friends has been important. It takes effort on my part, but I usually get a boost afterwards and I feel good. Cool. Yes, running is the non-negotiable thing for me. 
That's what I have to do. Our favorite Rob S. Uh, is this the UK Rob, same guy on um, Patreon? Yes, he awesome. is a man of many names. So yeah, this is a you know a gold standard uh, monster here. He's uh, on all of our groups. Uh, Rob S. <laughs> says, exercise has been great for me. There we go. Walking, running, or a gym visit helps lift my mood. I've been amazed at... My progress as I've never pursued fitness whilst being sober. I love the British guys. Um, I also uh, make sure I adopt the saying, quote, never do tomorrow what you can do today. Yes. The aim of this is to reduce the number of plates spinning and thus making life more manageable. Very, Mm. very good, Rob. That's um, a lot of wisdom in that little post right there. But wait a minute. What? It, never do tomorrow what you can do today. Doesn't that mean you're doing more today? Do as much as you can. To, like, don't put stuff off. Like, don't be the procrastinating oh, addict. Because like I me. would think if I'm, because like I tried to do it all today. I'll glad you pay. I'll gladly pay you tomorrow for a hamburger today. I think. Yes. Right. Well, Wimpy is not someone I would base my life on. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> he has hamburger church, issues. Church, <laughs> church of Wimpy. Um, Chris M says, I make a conscious effort. To fill my time with things I enjoy. Hiking is a big one. I am learning three different instruments. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, dude. Hmm, Okay, Chris. (laughs) We're not taking on too much, are we? (laughs) I I read a whole lot, too. I have rekindled my Buddhist practice since I stopped getting drunk. It's a whole lot easier to meditate if you're not drunk. Yeah. What I used to do, though, uh, for that long stretch where I had my drinking down to one or two glasses of wine a night, uh, I would try to meditate after drinking two glasses of wine. And I don't know what I was doing, but I, I wouldn't, it wasn't meditation. How did that go? No, nah, my brain was all over the place. I couldn't <laughs> focus on anything. It was absurd. Yeah, yeah, people do a lot of smoking weed and meditating. Um, I, I don't, you know, understand how that, I mean, you just like blast off into space. Or, I mean, I can meditate on a 20 minute dark star if I've smoking weed, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I, I, in terms of like getting in touch with the essence of my inner self. Yeah, you, you lose something. Not so much. You know, when you're meditating and not sober, but um, to each his own. Hope says, I don't do enough of it. Uh, everyone else's needs take priority. Ooh. Mm. Got to watch that. Yeah, because... Because uh, you're important. Y- yeah, and I'm dealing with this right now because I'm, you know, everybody's yes man, especially with this new job. I'm mm. the man man. So everybody's coming to me. I want to make everybody happy when I get home. You know, like right now, all this anxiety I have over not going home is because I can't please my family if I'm not there running around like a butler, you know, <laughs> daddy, I need chips, daddy, give me water, you know, right. daddy, I need this, you know, Nat, finish the day, like whatever. Um, so that is definitely something to look look out for. You really have to, you have to carve out space for your own needs. You just have to. It's, otherwise, you, you're going to go crazy. Yeah. And this, like what I'm doing right now is part of that. You know, right? Doing the show. It's hard though because you know, you get into a ha- you get into a habit, you get into a pattern, putting putting other people first. And there's nothing wrong with like being in that service mindset, like serving other people. Like whenever I start feeling like uh, I'm doing too much around here, I I kind of switch it over to like you know I'm I'm participating in service. I'm serving the family. I'm serving. 
thing. You know, it's a it's a bhakti yoga thing. I like holding this mic a little bit. It's a heavy bass on that. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> you should see me. It's just like there's a, some Patreon content yeah. right there. <laughs> um, uh, Ali says exercise is non-negotiable. I try not to overextend myself and my time. I need balance, or it comes out in negative behaviors. I listen more closely to my inner voice, and I trust it more now and i said yes totally non-negotiable sometimes it's hard when i'm outside running at 5 a.m in the freezing cold and dark to think of it as self-care but maybe i just need to change my attitude self-flagellation is more like it uh listen i get my dopamine from natural sources Mm. and in my case it's it's running around in the dark at five o'clock in the morning with a eight with an aching hip hey whatever uh floats your boat that works for me and uh that's also a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to get back to running. I know I keep saying this, but uh, you know I'll get a new pair of Brooks. You may have to get up at four forty-five in the morning. I you know I really just need to gain weight again. Like I I lost all my muscle weight because I haven't been to the gym and I haven't been eating. Like I was eating to grow type of stuff. Like I was taking my You're protein shakes. I was eating to grow. Oh oh. Like my two grams of protein per pound I weighed, and I was working out four days a week, and I was eating protein and. And then, but my body is such that when I don't, I just, I get skinny. Um, you, I wish I had that problem. So, um, when, I'm, when I just sort of let myself go, my I get dad said fat. I, my dad, we were always talking about how my dad is overly critical. He made some comment about me looking anorexic. <laughs> that was nice. I'm like, thanks, Pop. You know, I'm a little stressed out. I haven't had time to go to the gym. In any case, um, <laughs> all right. I think maybe we should move on to the life update. Unless you want to get those last two. There's two people left. And what if those two people are like, holy shit, why didn't didn't they read my thing? (laughs) Maya uh, says, setting boundaries such as not working too much overtime, asking for help with chores, not answering the phone sometimes, and things like that. Yes. Totally agree. Pulling your head back in the shell and just ignoring everybody. Right. Head in the sand. No, but really. I have a hard time doing that, though. It's good to turn off. I want to do it. You have to turn off But I can't do it sometimes. Daniel M. says, uh, meditation is a big one for me. 10 to 20 minutes every morning can really help with a racing mind. A hundred percent. Yes. I wish I had the discipline to start doing that I again. I can't do it in the morning. My mind's already too going. Yeah. Like, I got to do it at night before bed. It's a good way to, to turn things down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. So, thank you so much, Monsters Speak. Monsters Speak. What's the name of them to let's take a peek The segment we call Monsters Speak Speak, 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 speak So, <laughs> we have made it to the life update portion of the show last, <laughs> Have we? Last show, we didn't do any life update, really And nobody complained Nobody complained <laughs> We didn't do recovery in the What the, the fuck is going on up there? Can you people hear this? It sounds like the dogs are ripping each other's throats out They're trying to kill me <laughs> I think they're angry with me it's, I can't, I can't. They came with the studio. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> so a life update. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Super Bowl was this past Sunday. That's right. And um, I didn't really have uh, any skin in the game. I'm nominally a Jets fan, which means Me that nothing ever happens yeah. in the postseason. But, uh, or the playoff season or the Super Bowl. It's depressing, but it is what it is, you know. Um but I, uh, night of the Super Bowl, I was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, home of the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Yes. Uh, I was there because my son got accepted into Scranton University and they had an event on Monday morning 
that I wanted to go uh, take him to. Oh, that's so awesome. we came up the night before and we stayed in this little Hilton around the corner. Uh, and, uh, you know, I ordered some food uh, down in the hotel restaurant to bring back up to the room because he didn't want to eat in the restaurant, my son. So I go down there and I kind of sidle up to the bar. And, you know, there's a scene there. There's people hanging out, throwing back the beers, yeah, throwing back the yinglings. I saw the picture you, you know? sent me. Yeah, it was like. And uh, I was like, you know, I wonder if they have a zero zero beer here. I'm feeling all Super Bowl-y and American. So <laughs> they did. They had a Heineken Zero. So I ordered it. And I sat there and I at the bar and I drank it while I watched the, the, uh, the pregame show. I had no desire to drink any real alcohol, but it did kind of feel nice sitting in a convivial atmosphere with people who were not shit-faced yet because the game hadn't started yet. Would you have had that same feeling had you just had a Shirley Temple? Yeah, probably. So the question is, what all the monsters want to know is, why bother with an N.A. beer? Why even... uh, Is it just to see it in that psychological... I don't know, like, what is it? Maybe there was some of that going on. Um, Which is fine, you know. You know, football, beer... America, USA, America. USA, Scranton, Pennsylvania. America. Um, I was on Joe Biden Avenue, by the way. Really? Which is interesting. Didn't know he had an avenue. There's several avenues named after Biden. Huh. There's also President Joe Biden Expressway. Are you kidding? No, he's Scranton Joe. But no kidding. Yeah, anyway, uh, I don't know. I guess I could have ordered a Shirley Temple, but I didn't. I ordered a Heineken Zero Zero. And, um, and that's your right? As you know, I have, I'll have. i have a couple of year of these, these NA beers. I don't think there's any anything wrong with it um it was the first time i had been in a bar in quite a while um but i didn't i felt extremely secure in my recovery like i knew that i could drink one of those double zeros and not follow it up with a shot or a real beer or anything else i just waited i got my food and i went back up to the room and that was that that's because you're recovered the food was terrible but that's beside the point Gastro- but yeah i would i would say that yes i mean i i it i just wasn't interested yeah you know i get that same feeling when i'm in situations like that when i didn't used to that's how be, why i notice it yeah now being i have that same like lack of emotion about it i'm just kind of like i don't know it doesn't uh, occur to me i was noticing what other people were drinking you know as as they were ordering stuff you know just kind of i curiosity sake there was a lot of beer being being consumed but the couple sitting next to me i mean one of them had an alcoholic drink the other didn't you know and and you know my memory of bars is usually that everybody in them is as shit-faced as i am but i realize that that's not the case they were all probably i mean there are certainly a lot of bars where that probably was the case certainly at certain times of the day but uh you know i used to go out a lot after work with friends and there were friends who you knew were in for the long haul mm-hmm. and there were other work friends who would come and then disappear after a half an hour. You know, maybe they'd have a drink, maybe they wouldn't. The short haul. Yeah. But um, certainly my perception was that everybody drank as much as I did, which was completely inaccurate because nobody drank as much as I did. People always say that when I was active in using it, I would say things like, ah, nobody does heroin. This is crazy. And then the guy would be like, are you kidding? Everybody does heroin. <laughs> you know? And I know I'm like, so that's oh. like the opposite. I mean, you th- when you're in it, you think everybody's doing it. I mean, this guy was very paranoid, and he would be saying, a lot of more people do it than you think, you know? And it made <laughs> me think, like, well, what am I missing? You know, maybe I've got this all wrong. Maybe this heroin thing is great. And it wasn't. It wasn't. It really wasn't. But that, you know, that whole thing at the bar kind of, 
set me up for what happened a couple of days later. You know, I, I come back on Valentine's Day, do the chocolate and the flowers. I arranged the flowers in advance, thank God. Um, but, you know, I have a conference. I have a work conference coming up. Valentine's Day. It was Monday. Okay. <laughs> I, I just remembered. Yeah. Um, I have a work conference coming up at the end of March. And it is the first one where everybody in this particular industry group will be together for the last three years, right? Uh, So I've not seen any of these people. So um, in the interim, one person that we used to do work with has passed away of cancer. And I had two people, one her ex-law partner and another someone who was friends with her say, we have to get together and drink to her memory. You know, literally like right out there, like we're going to get drunk, you know? And, I thought, you know, when I left the bar in Scranton that I was I was pretty chill with, you know, that. But but this is like a different it's a bit of a different situation, you know. Yeah. It's like people I haven't seen really, you know, the last time I saw these folks, I was still drinking. Right. So right? you have to reestablish So this is the yourself. first time I yes. Right. You know. And Aaron was like, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, I have a couple options, right? I could do the I could do the fake it option where I, you know, pour out the beer, fill the beer bottle with water, do the ginger ale and the glass trick and all that shit. Or, uh, I could just be like, you know what? I quit drinking at the beginning of the pandemic and I just never went back to it. And I think I'm going with option B because I don't want to have to sneak around. Like, no. nor do I feel like, you like know, I understand when people have to do that or feel like they have to do it. But yeah. what, what I've come to realize is honesty is the best policy, yeah. you know, and the people who aren't okay with it are not okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I was just looking at it as like one less thing I needed to, you know, like worry about, like, you know, what happens if someone wants to go to the bar and get me another drink, you know? And, right. You know, and then, and then, then like, I'm like, oh, oh shit. You and you're know? like Jack Tripper yeah, gotta, from Three's Company, yeah, like throwing pour it. Pour it in the plant, you know, <laughs> at the Regal Beagle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know, that that was interesting because I, um, I didn't really stop to think about how opening everything opening up with work means I'm going to see people that I haven't seen since before I quit drinking, you know? Yeah. Things are some of them. Different. I used to be drink quite a lot with, you know, this could be <laughs> a, a great opportunity for you to convert more sober people. You know, I think a lot of people right now, cause it's in the public consciousness, you know, with dry, dry January and all of the reports about, you know, in the news about drinking being up. I think people are thinking about this. There's, more celebrities, you know, that are openly sober. Alcohol increases your ability to drive. Alcohol. <laughs> Thank you, Otto. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, um, I don't know. I think that the, the world is ready for a sober Mike. <laughs> right? Mike is ready for a sober Mike. Mike is ready so. for a sober Mike. But I think you're going to do just fine. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, I've already actually had this conversation with my with the owner of my company, like, um, who is a psychiatrist? Yes. So one would hope he would have more understanding than the average. Well, boss. that's what he said. You yeah. know, uh, I forget why he. You know, part of the reason he asked me about it is because before I was working there full time, I helped one of the employees there get into rehab, and I kind of, you know, so I had to. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, after he hired me basically to run his company as the director of operations, and. Uh, you know, while we were discussing things, he said, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, I, I know that you, you know, you helped uh, our friend here. And uh, he asked me, do I have anything to worry about? Oh. Like with you, because there's been some other problems. And you know what? 
I said, listen, um, no, I mean, like anything's possible, but I'm strong in my recovery. I've got, you know, four years and then some, I do a podcast on recovery. I said, mm-hmm. I'm solid, you know? And he's like, oh no, you know, I'm a psychologist and I understand. I said, I know you do. Right. And I respect, you know, you asking me that I'm comfortable. I said, anytime you want to talk about it, buddy, I had to turn it around a little bit. I'm like, yeah. anytime you want to talk to me about something. He's like, no, no, I don't need any. I said, no, <laughs> it's all right. That's a, that's a great idea. There. That's what Just I said. flipping it around. Like, it's oh, like yeah, Jedi mind trick yeah do you, do you want to talk can we talk <laughs> and um he was very cool about it i'm glad it's out in the open and i said man I, I don't drink you know and this is part of my life and i said it that one time and it's just out there mm-hmm. you know so i don't ever have to you know like we had a couple of uh business meetings with uh vendors and things like that and i don't have to worry about you know like if there's a hey everybody have a drink because you know dr mike it, the other mike right is uh he'll back me up you know he wants me to be his key man and to be on point and um yeah, you know so i'm comfortable with i mean that that takes a huge you know concern right off the table from the gecko absolutely right? that must feel really good did you say gecko because it's insurance no i said gecko because i'm looking at a leopard gecko across <laughs> over your shoulder so that was very cool yeah, that is cool, man. That's great. Um, yeah, it's been pretty interesting at this job. I mean, I forgot, you know, uh, I had a couple of monsters say, oh, you got to tell your Super Bowl story from, you know, I have a famous Super Bowl <laughs> story. You know, it should be an annual tradition. I think it, I, 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 why, please, go ahead. Well, I haven't really prepared to tell the story, so I'll just sort of <laughs> off the cuff it. So I had this, um, when I was uh, just starting out in AA, this was actually my second sponsor. I don't know, I might have had a couple of months, and I was doing all the sponsee stuff, you know. We used to do... Um, you were the sponsee. I was the sponsee. Okay. He was the sponsor. I love this guy. I still talk to him. He ultimately fired me. This was the start of the reasons why. Okay. Um, but we did so much stuff together. We started our own meeting that is still going today, like an AA meeting. Oh. Uh, we, we did a meeting called we did a living sober study group meeting which was very different you don't see a lot of those Mm. you'll see a big book meeting you'll see a step meeting an open whining meeting and then we said let's do living sober and that meeting is still going strong today i think it's tuesdays at 8 30 and in that town nearby um and so i was very act not only that he had a um in, it, they call it H and I, which is hospitals and institution meetings. Oh, it's a whole department at a intergroup, and so he was involved in bringing a meeting into the psych ward of the Glen Cove Hospital. Oh, and so he would bring me every week, and basically what it was, the hospital uh, basically let us in to this, to the uh, the psych department or whatever it's called, and uh, we would have an open AA meeting to anybody who was interned there, I guess. <laughs> Is it interred or confined? Confined, and then, so it was really interesting. Committed. It, basically, people would just show up if they wanted to, and then my uh, my sponsor Mark would, uh, you know, he would basically pitch AA, and I would sort of back him up a little bit, and then we would do a little meeting, and you know, try and support these people and mm-hmm. get them interested. A lot, really proselytizing. That must have been an interesting experience it, it was it was very rewarding and i enjoyed it and so i was really working with this guy a lot we were doing the steps together i ultimately i think i got up to step five or six with him uh and um so this it was maybe six months maybe five months of, of sobriety i can't remember but 
he lived in this apartment building, like a condo building, and his neighbor, who was also in our AA group, Mm -hmm. was having a Super Bowl party. Yes. And I said, yeah, that would be great, Mark. Uh, I'll be there, you know, because I didn't have much of a social life at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Not like today, you know, but uh, it's actually (laughs) still pretty bad, but... Um, and so I said, yeah, this would be great. I really liked hanging out with him. He's an older guy. He was cool. We got along and, uh, and he was showing me the way, you know, I was really enjoying learning, but I still wasn't ready. Mm. My brain was still cooking. And, uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think of like, Hey, if this is a, my sponsor inviting me to another guy in AA's party, there's not going to be alcohol. Mm. One would think. Well, this guy's wife or whomever he was living with, I think it might've been a girlfriend, you know, she wasn't a sober person. Uh, this was a Super Bowl party, and okay. there was alcohol there. A lot of alcohol? Um, enough, enough. It wasn't like crazy, <laughs> you know. It was just, and it was a small apartment. Mm-hmm. So we were sitting there, you know. Kind of hard to get away with shit. But I did it anyway. <laughs> so I went, the couch was in the one room, and then there was a little kitchen. You know, it was the size, of the apartment was like, you know, the living room was the size of this room we're in now. And then yeah. there was like a kitchen. So I was going in to get a drink, you know, Coca-Cola. And right next to the Coca-Cola, God, I can't remember what I was drinking. I wish I could. Maybe there, I was able to put some rum in it or something. Uh-oh. I started spiking my drinks, going back, sitting right next to him. Uh-huh. Thinking you're all slick. And he didn't appear to notice. Like, he didn't look at me sideways, you know. Like, I think he was caught up with his girlfriend, and, you know, it was a fairly decent-sized party. Mm-hmm. I continued to drink. Um, the night goes on. I go, this is great. Nothing's going wrong. I'm sneaking back to the kitchen, mm. pouring myself a rum and whatever. <laughs> and uh, no, nothing was said to me all night. Now, when it was time to go, do you, have you ever been in a party when you were drinking, you're sitting down the whole time when you finally stand yeah. up? All of a sudden, the world looks very different. So, you know, the whole thing was ending. I'm, I stood up to go and I nearly fell down. And he was looking <laughs> at me and he, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, man, I'm just tired. I, I got to get going. He goes, uh, okay, let me walk you out. And mm. we walked down to the to my car and he just, he didn't say like, hey, you've been drinking. He was right. kind of like... Like he was totally flabbergasted, you know. Well, he was trying to figure out how you pulled pulled put one yeah. over on him. He, you know? He's thinking, "There's no way he's drinking. This is my sponsee, you know. He's been coming to <laughs> meetings with me. We're doing the steps, and here we are." And um, I was clearly drunk, um, but he did not confront me until the next day. But let me drive home, you know. <laughs> so, you know, wow. I fought him a little. Maybe bit. he didn't think you were that drunk. I guess. Yeah. And so the next morning I woke up, I'm like, oh man, I can't believe I did that, mm. you know, but since there was no open altercation, I, I was like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I, I got, got away, away with, with it. it. Yeah. So I finally get him on the phone because I was calling him every day and I was, I was like, hey, Mark, how you doing? You know? And um, he's like, oh, hey, Nat. I'm like, ah, oh, great party, huh? <laughs> um, I, you know, can you pick me up for the meet or we're going to the meeting tomorrow night or blah, blah, blah. I was just started to go into regular uh-huh. sponsee sponsor stuff. He's like, just dead silence for a second. Nat, you got wasted last <laughs> night at the Super Bowl party. What are you talking about? You know? And he said that. And then it like dawned on me that I did not get away with this. You were not half as slick as you thought you were. No. And and from there, there was a meeting at his office and he basically fired me and all of that. Wait, he, he called you into his office to fire you as a sponsee? Yeah. Yeah. He was an insurance broker guy. Um, and that was that, you know, and I was really upset. So wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. I showed up drunk to the meeting, by the way. 
Oh, well, I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound. And that's when he was like, <laughs> you know? forget it. Like, there's nothing I can do for you, basically. I was constitutionally okay. incapable of being honest with myself. Yeah, so that was kind of my question. Like, when you get fired as a sponsee in AA, what do they do? They're like, good luck. Have a nice, have a nice yeah. life. We'll see you. We'll send a delegation of the funeral, like that kind of thing. Basically, it's like, I can't help you. You need to find another sponsor. You know, you can call me anytime you want, but I can't like be your sponsor anymore. And that that's where it was. And when we maintain a relationship and I did get. But all you need is a desire to stop drinking. Now, you don't actually have to stop. Right, AA but, gives you an out there. But he doesn't have to waste his time every day trying to yeah, keep I guess me so. sober, you know. So. But is it a waste of time? It, like, see. He felt like Okay, so you, you fell off a couple of times within the same 24-hour period. Oh, yeah, I was off. And um, he wasn't ready to, uh, he just had it. He's like, I just, I can't. Yeah. He has other sponsees. He's got a busy job. We were at a good but clearly what he was doing was not helping. And he, he recognized that this was not helping me and thought I would be better served by someone else. Okay. So they don't just, they don't just say, well, via con Dios, I see mean, you later. Some of them, you know, go fuck yourself. You know, it's not that some of them might do that. I mean, I've heard all kinds of, Hey, and by the way, monsters, if you've got a funny uh, sponsor breakup story, <laughs> I love sponsor breakup stories. They're so funny and awkward. I just find them incredibly tragic. Like it is. people who are, who are like, you know, if this is the model that's being put forth as, you know, the, the way for people to get better, then they maybe shouldn't be firing their sponsees when they do what well, what sponsees inevitably do in recovery, which is not a linear thing. But he's not a professional. He's not a professional. This is another guy trying to stay sober. So if I'm getting that drunk, I can imagine this is not good for him either. Well, you know, so maybe if you have AA sobriety yeah. and you're constantly with, with the feeling that you're going to go out and drink again yeah. because you're only one drink away from a jail institution or death. That's right. I guess, but... You know, well, so that's my Super Bowl anyway, story. It's and a great story, and I, uh, I'm sure it's funnier in hindsight than it was at the time. It is, and every year after that, on the Super Bowl, I would call him, even though he wasn't. <laughs> now so that's great. I didn't do it this year because I haven't spoken to him in a couple of years, but uh, it was kind of a funny thing between us, and uh, you know, he had a, a good attitude about it, and I would love to get him on the show. He he's a, a great guy, and um, if you're listening, Mark, which I know you're not. Um, <laughs> you never know, man. I still love you, Maybe man. Maybe he's listening. I'm not sure what benefit you got out of being a drunk pimp. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so that was my Super Bowl story. Lovely. Um, love the Super Bowl story. Did you have another interjection before I go on and on about my other thing that I have here? Uh, no, you can go on and on about your other thing if you want. Go ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah. So, guys... I've started this new job. I know I say it a billion times, but this is consuming my life right now. One of the upsides of this job is that I'm not working Saturdays. Um, that is an upside. You know, so it, this is my time. You know, I'm still dealing with closing the store and there's still a lot of stress shutting things down. One of the last things I had to do was sell a lot of my old inventory. And uh, and so it started. Did Saturday. you take a searching and fearless inventory of your store's <laughs> contents? It was searching and it was fearless, and, okay. and yes, I did. And um, but my Saturdays for the past couple of weeks, instead of relaxing, have been jam packed with action. Mm. And I, I just like I took a moment in the middle of this chaos on Saturday, after it maybe because it was after everything, and I just. I hit the dictate button on my uh, phone and right into the outline, I just wrote this. Woke up Saturday to get to my parents' house by 10 o'clock to sell a bunch of stuff. There was a problem with the check he cut me. Then I had to go to my son Max's basketball game by, I think it was like 
eleven thirty. Then I had to take. I didn't had to, but I then took my older son to a Pokemon Club at the board game cafe. Spent uh, you know a couple of uh, hours there, and uh, and then when I came home. Uh, the neighbors were over playing with my other son and with my uh, older son. So there was like a play thing going on with our neighbors. Um, and, you know, Noah was going out on his bike. On top of it, we've had plumbing issues. There was a leak in the basement. I may have talked about the plumber came at 3.30 and he was doing work on the house. Mm-hmm. And it, this kitchen sink wasn't working while this was going on. Everything and the kitchen sink was going on. And then when uh, Noah came back, we went out to dinner. Keeping in mind, I am exhausted. I am completely wiped out. And it's like, and of course, my wife is like... Where'd you go to eat? Um, we went to... I'm drawing a blank. I'm always looking for a new place. Um, you know, it wasn't that great. It was the old Mims. Oh, yeah, and Sassett, uh, George Martin. Yeah, George yeah. Martin. And, you know, I was so, I was like falling asleep with like, and I'm like, I'm not high and I'm not drunk, yet I can't keep my eyes open and it's five o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know? Been there, my friend. And I think I might have been under the weather, but we went out for a nice meal, but I got home and uh, it was just so much stress. Did you get Carvel? So much stress. Yes. Okay, good. We did. In fact, they didn't want dessert from George Martin. <laughs> they wanted it's too to expensive go to Car- and it's not it's, very good. I like the saucers. So, um, flying saucers. Yeah. Do you ever get the pistachio one? No, I didn't. It sounded amazing. It's a little known flying saucer, but if you can find it, it's worth it's worth getting. I think they can make if them. you like pistachio. So that was my Saturday, and um, I, I I just have to note that yeah. after that paragraph of you know intense emotion and and exhaustion you have yep. a sentence that reads regarding weed psychosis you can't make policy based on how diabetics, diabetics process skittles would you yeah. mind explaining that so if Smoke weed every day <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell i've got information coming in from all <laughs> angles screwing me in every hole basically Ooh, uh, 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 sorry sorry about that um, who is your daddy and what does he do uh, I'm listening. I was listening to another podcast. I think Joe Schrank. He just said something that I thought was brilliant. You know, um, <laughs> regarding weed psychosis. Yeah, he, you, you know, can't make policy based on how diabetics process skittles. Yeah, huh? Ex- huh? am I right? That's exactly right. You know, and I thought it was a great point though because um, uh, I think Amy Dresner was saying something like, you know, because um, Joe Schrank is a big proponent of, uh, you know, he did high sobriety, which was his pot based recovery program where you smoke pot to stay recovered um, or to recover. And um, and so Amy gives some shit about it. Because, and he had some doctor on, and she was saying, you know, like, you know, it exacerbates psychosis, and some people take it, and they, you know, their, um, their mental health issues get worse. Right, right, right. And that's when Joe said, yeah, but you can't make policy based on, you know, how a Skittle affects one diabetic. You know what I mean? So, in other words, we all do this differently that just because some people I smell have a logical effects, fallacy, but okay. Yeah, I just, listen, I liked it and um, yeah, yeah, big fan of Joe Shrank. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, that's what that was. Um, last thing I'm going to say, because I feel like we're running long. Is that possible? 57 minutes right. of us blabbering. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's what the people pay for. That's what they that's pay what for. That's what they want. Um, we love you guys. So, last thing I'm going to say, because this hit me kind of hard. Oh, serious? Um, yeah. 
a little bit serious. Okay. I'm like trying to adjust myself here. Okay. Not like that. Yes, you are though. Not like that. Give it your hand on your pants since you got here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, again, with my store closing, now, one of the things I kind of didn't like think about as much as I should have is how are my children processing this? I have a seven-year-old and an 11-year-old, and my store was a very big part of the local community. Everybody knew we were there. It was just, it was part of, you know, for the last four years, they knew me as the sports store guy in town. And my youngest son, of course, four years ago, he was like a baby. So this is all he's known is, uh, you know, all pro net. Right. And, um, and so he hasn't said much about it because he's very much a people pleasing diplomat like I am. He's not trying to cause any waves, but I, I made a point of talking to him about it. But this one time he looked a little down because I was, I think the day I was selling stuff, you know, I'm like, Oh, I gotta go sell all my, uh, inventory. And he was looking a little down and I said, uh, Max, like what's wrong, you know? And he just looked at me and he says, you know, daddy, you always tell me never to give up. And he says, you tell me I should never quit, never give up on my dreams. And that's exactly like what you just did. Oh, fuck. I know. <laughs> that's like out of a, 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 a movie. Yeah. Well, he, he says a lot of things like that. Um, he's very poetic and intelligent for a seven-year-old. But it was like, this was right when I was putting him to bed. And I was like, well, how am I going to, what am I going to say to this? Because, but what I did tell him was, I was like, Max, it may be hard for you to understand, but I tried everything I possibly could. You know, yes, I ended up giving up, but would you tell the people, he knows what the Titanic is. I don't know mm. why he's obsessed with it. We watch these documentaries on it. Aren't we all? Yeah. And uh, I said, think of the Titanic. You know, maybe the captain who went down with the ship, he wasn't a quitter but he's dead, right? So do you think- Did he go down with the ship? Uh, in the movie, he did. I don't know. I, if thought he he, I thought he survived. Let's say for the sake of argument, <laughs> he went down with the ship. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So I said, I'm like the guy who saw the ship sinking and jumped off to a life raft. Right. Then I explained to him, like, this will be like getting a raise for the family. Like, we're not spending all this money every month for a store that can't support itself for the past year. Mm -hmm. And I really Explain was like, the macroeconomic trends to him. You know, I, I talk to my kids like they're adults yeah. a lot of times. And then, you know, I try and explain things. So, um, but he understood. I felt like I saw recognition in his eyes. I'm like, do yeah. you understand? I said, Max, this is such a better opportunity for us. I know it's hard. I know we were this, you know, this little brand in town, but, uh, and I think he really got it. But, you know, that really, that really hit home with me. Like, how is my seven-year-old perceived this? Mm. My older son, he gets it, I think. You know, he knows that now daddy's home. And I said, now daddy's home Saturdays. I mean, I got to go to his basketball game. Yeah. And, um, you know, but it's interesting, you know, when, when kids, the way they see things. They are resilient, though. They, he'll, he'll bounce back. You know, yeah. he'll see that this was the best thing for you that you could have done. You know. Yeah. And so you don't want to be like the, the band on the Titanic that uh, yeah. just kept sawing away at the cello when they were getting sucked under the, uh, yep. the water. And the Titanic actually comes up a lot when people switch to a different addiction. They say that's like changing seats. Rearranging deck chairs on, on the, the Titanic. Titanic. You know, The Titanic is used in a lot of metaphors when yeah, you think big, about it. Yeah, it's a big ship. Great movie. Yeah. I don't know. You like the movie? I mean, I liked it when I saw it and I was like 18 and it was on a date. And Oh, girl, if you're on a date, that's a great movie. She wouldn't even hold my hand, though. That never panned out. I'm sorry. 
you know. Um, so that's all my life update stuff. Um, and do you have anything else for the monsters? I spent last Saturday eating meat in the woods with a bunch of men. That's great, I think. Yeah. What did you... Oh, Cub Scouts? Cub Boy Scouts. Tell yeah. me all about it. So, um, the Boy Scouts do this thing called the uh, Klondike Derby, where they have to build a sled and then drag it through the woods, loaded with stuff, and then they have to stop at different camps and perform various scouting-like things. Like, for example, and the different troops ran these different camps. So, our troop ran the starting fire and boiling water camp. So, you yeah. would... Kids would have to come into camp. They'd have to build a fire, boil a pot of water in 20 minutes from, and without using matches or anything. They'd use flints and all this kind of thing. So um, I, I'm sort of cautiously stepping foot into the leadership of this troop because I'm a little freaked out by some of the dads in there because they're like, there's, it's a lot. I mean, I don't have any issue with cops, like, but it's a lot of like, that kind of like Isn't first responder, militaristic. Cop. Nah, a little bit? I wouldn't even say it's militaristic. No. It's just, it's just like not my ordinary crowd. You know what I mean? You're more of a Jethro Tull, yes concert kind of guy. I mean, listen, I I have redneck hobbies, right? So yeah. the way I I bond with these guys over, you know, I I go skeet shooting and target shooting and stuff, and all these guys are like gun freaks, right? right. So like we bond over that, but it, it was just a very strange experience because. Um, some of them identify as, you know, libertarians, there's some Republicans, there's some very religious guys, and it's this weird collection of dads. But we all could seem to get behind this whole idea that if you set up a grill and you cook a whole bunch of Polish sausage and eat it together, that's like Jesus. some sort of weird um it's some sort of weird Neanderthal bonding ritual that goes on in the woods. Pass you know? the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, maybe that goes on at other campsites, but it didn't go. It didn't go on at ours. Not I, I wasn't there's anything there. wrong with that. But um, so I don't know. I just found it to be an interesting day hmm. with these guys because is that Ben doing that? Yeah. How is he? T- like, how is he doing with Boy Scouts? He's I, getting into it. He's getting really? into it. Um, That's cool. He claims he hates it, but whenever he's there, I see him having a good time. So good. I don't really understand. He's getting his first aid merit badge and all this other stuff. That's so, so great. It is. It is great. I'm just, I, you know, so maybe this is the place where we shift into the self-care discussion uh-huh. because I'm, you know, I'm looking at the amount of time I have to do stuff and there's stuff that I really like doing more than eating meat in the woods with a bunch of Well, but that's time guys. with your son, though, more Ex- than anything. Yes, yes. So that's the reason that I want to get involved in this, right? Yeah. To go camping and when when he's camping and all this stuff. And, you know, the the weird thing about Boy Scouts is, you know, you go in when you're like 11 years old and then you, you age out when you're 18. And those are very difficult years for a kid, you know? Yeah. Going through puberty, going through all this stuff. And, you know, my oldest son, like... The minute he hit like 12 or 13, he didn't want anything to do with me, you know, and my middle son, a little better with that. And I, and I feel like this is my last kid, right? Like, I don't want to like, I don't want to fuck it up. I want to make sure I'm always around, right? you know, and um, making up for past mistakes with other kids. Is that? Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, here's the thing. You could be the best parent in the world and you could get a kid that's completely off the, off the rails. It's right. just the more, the older I live, the more I realize 
And, you know, I get three kids and they're all completely different. Yeah. And as far as I am aware, we parented them all the same way. Right. So, you know, when, it, when everybody comes down on parents, like in, in the aftermath of some kind of a, like a school shooting or something, they're like, arrest the parents. And I'm thinking those poor parents probably tried everything conceivable under the sun yeah. to get the kid like help and, you know, in most cases, most yeah, right, because I, mean, I can think of like, some notable exceptions. Yeah, like to don't that. give the kid an AR fifteen right, for right. Easter or right, something, right? Please, um, <laughs> but I don't know, you know, and, and so, so you know, I'm trying to parcel out the the time that I have, uh, which I'm going to have less of because, of course, going back to the office at some point. Right. If it's anything like right? what's going on with me, I'm yeah, very nervous. I, mean, I never had time to do stuff. So, you know, how do you? How do you come up with a schedule where you can try and be in each one of your kids' lives and your wife's life and still have time for the things that you need to do for your own mental health? Because it's a, it's a very delicate balancing act. Yeah. You know? And that's what this uh, show is supposed to be about today. Yeah. We're talking about self-care. We're talking about how to keep your yourself cared, cared for. <laughs> And and that doesn't, you know, like if you're going to AA meetings three times a week, like that's a form of self-care, but it's also completely recovery centric. You need to have things outside of that. I believe so. Maybe not necessarily your first year or six months. I feel like for me anyway, it was important for me to do nothing but focus on my recovery. And that's what I did until it took, I mean, that took six years or something, but it took a while, but I feel like, you know, once you get to a point where, like you are, uh, where you can go into a bar and not think twice about drinking, you know, maybe this is a good time to cut back on all of your recovery stuff, like, you know, chairing meetings, doing this, doing that, going to, even, you know, even if you do enjoy it a lot and make time for other hobbies, you know, the problem happens though, that when you're also trying to be the best dad you can be, when you're trying to be the best husband you can be, the best Mm -hmm. employee, when do you fit in time? For me, I drove here, you know, as fast as I could directly from work. And I have to tell my family tonight, Mm -hmm. listen, this is what I'm doing Thursday nights, you know, and they respect it. And I have to let myself off the hook in order to do things like this. Yeah. A a couple things. Like, I think the level to which you can, when you quit drinking or using whatever, engage in other activities, I think is dependent on where you're starting from. Um, If you're just a a casual, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The Annie Grace word, the type of drinker that's not it's a gray area drinker, gray area. right? If, if you fall in that area uh, and then, and, and you find that you don't necessarily need all of those recovery resources to quit, then you're going to need to fill all that extra time up sooner rather than later because That's you true, don't have yeah. meetings, you don't have, you know, recovery networks, you don't have all that stuff. Yeah. If you were not where I was, which was, I almost lost everything, including my life. The only thing that mattered that was going to keep me alive was to be deeply entrenched, yes. you know. But if you're not there, because we're getting a lot more uh, people like from the Annie Grace right. universe and and all around, so that's a different but then you animal. Need, you need to fill up that time, right? And that's a good so, point. in that case, I would suggest good. You know, if you're exercise minded, that is a great place to start an exercise program. You know, within the first few months, you know, yeah. Um, 
I think identifying where a person is at is extremely important. I think important. that's the key because it also depends on what age you are, right? I mean, if, if you have a long history of decades of drinking, um, you cannot expect within four weeks for your body and your mind to sort of rebound to where it was you know, before you started pickling yourself every night. Yeah, um, you have to take your health you know, seriously. The last, the last time I, the last and final time that I quit, uh, I was expecting what happened in the previous times I quit to happen this time. In other words, I'd have a few weeks of um, low energy and uh, cloudy thinking, and which would quickly be replaced by a sense of purpose and, you know, a pink cloud of, of some sort. But that didn't happen this time because it had been so long that it took my body like at least 90 days before it started feeling normal again. Yeah. Uh, I was exhausted all the time, you know, and I, and, and I, the thing I did this time that I didn't do other, other times was I didn't make a demands on myself. Like I, I didn't try to do everything at once. I didn't try and start a, accelerate my exercise program, switch my diet up, you know, do all million things yeah. that I would usually do a lot of and then fail, uh, yeah. you know? So, you know, there's a line between, between, um, self care, uh, being something that stuff that's good for you. And then indulging in a little too much too fast, you like, know, which, uh, which can push you right back to like, where you are. Like learning three instruments, like learning three like instruments at the same time. Right. Right. Yes. I mean, if you're talking about like uh, a mandolin, a banjo, and a ukulele, mm. you might be able to pull that off. I think you could. Right? But if we're talking about like a sitar, a uh, harmonium. <laughs> and a hammer dulcimer. <laughs> and a hammer dulcimer, you're going to have problems. Unless you like don't have a job and you <laughs> sit around and play stuff all day, which yeah. is great. I mean, that that's absolutely true. And I think... Um, a really good point that we're, we're getting at here is it goes back to what we've discussed about a spectrum of, um, of people suffering from addiction and, um, and changing our approach. So part of what, you know, uh, people out there should do is how do we identify where we're at? Because when somebody is really low, feeling low, and they're really deep in their addiction, they don't always see it for what it is. Mm. So it's almost like, it, you know, like think back to, you know, when you were drinking and going to work and you're like, ah, I'm doing all right. I'm getting my, you know, and you think like, oh, if you lost your job, then you'll really know. Then you're going to take it seriously. But I went through all of that. And every time something horrible would happen, I'd flip a car. My wife would throw me out or something horrible, lose mm. another job. I would just rationalize it like, oh, it wasn't the drinking. It was, you know, so... How do we get someone in a position where they can get an objective opinion about just where uh, they are in on that spectrum? I think that's huge to be able to identify where you're at. Yeah, that's where a little self-honesty becomes essential. I mean, I think you can kind of tell where you're at on that spectrum. I mean, there's, you know, if you're having two or three glasses of wine when you get home at night and maybe a few more on the weekend then maybe you're a gray area drinker. If you got a hand, a couple of handles hidden around the house and you're sneaking airplane bottles out, then maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're a little further along on the spectrum. And maybe, um, maybe when you quit, you need to fill your head with recovery for six months to a year before you start branching out into other things. Um, I, I think, I think you can probably have a sense of where you are on that yeah. spectrum. I think it's know? important though, to get yourself in a situation with people you trust 
you know, like if you get on to the, you know, around other recovering people, you know, but you have to give yourself to that and then take people's advice, you know. Mm. You have to open yourself up to the possibility that maybe you don't have this, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do need to slow down on something. Maybe you need to take, and that's very hard to do. Um, uh, you know, not everybody is in that same spot where they can be self-honest. In fact, I had an extremely difficult time you know, being honest with myself, it took a lot of therapy and a lot of failing to finally get to a place where I could really have an accurate picture of who I, you know, where I was actually, you know, where I was. And so then I could take the appropriate steps. Is therapy uh, self-care? I think it definitely is. Most definitely. Uh, Seeing a therapist, um, going to one or doing telehealth, I think I always recommend, no matter how many meetings you go to, uh, no matter what else you're doing in your life, uh, you know, I should take my own advice. I, I get a lot out of a therapist, especially when you find the right therapist. I think it goes a long way. People in therapy are often in therapy to deal with the people in their lives that don't go to therapy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, that's part of why I went, I think, <laughs> besides my addiction. Um, I think, yeah, I think therapy is helpful for people, but um, I don't know. So you've stopped You've stopped drinking. Right. Let's say you're six months out. Let's say you're a year out. And now you have to, what does self-care look like at that point to you? Self-care at that point. I love the idea of the, the running. I mean, we've been hammering this home. So right? exercise is part of self-care. Exercise, I think. It doesn't have to be running, right? No, taking people, a walk. People hate running. I know. It's like... They fucking hate it. Yes, they, they would, do. They would only run if they were being chased. Well, it's like running is what you do to warm up to play things. Like when you're playing tennis, you do running. Right. It's not the actual See, if you're goal. a sporty guy, then that's... That's the definition of, right. of what you do with running. Right. right? It's, it's a warm-up. It's right. not but tennis thing. itself could be the self-care. Well, right. So doing golf, things like that, you know? golfing just like Joseph Naus does, you know, focusing on something that is creative or, you know, or Well, creative is different. I don't think right? like just watching, binge watching Netflix is considered self-care. But Ooh, it I think it can be. Maybe. I mean, like anything, if you I mean, do not it Not if you do much. it every day. But yeah. So, okay. So that's a good point. Yeah. So... So we have these self-care things like exercise, right? That's self-care. Maybe getting a massage is self-care. Maybe getting Not a, from your sister-in-law, though. No, no. Maybe getting a facial is self-care. Uh, maybe, you know, whatever you define that as, right? Yeah. But uh, but we could over we can tend to overdo these things, can't we? At what point does self-care become like pathological or dangerous? I think when you're learning is that possible th- when you're learning three instruments at the same time. Now, I'm sorry, I keep going back to that, but um, I think sometimes I've heard you, you know, sort of gasp at all of the hobbies that you're trying to attend to. You know, mm. like um, if you guys don't know, Mike is uh, he takes pictures of birds. <laughs> that's that's one. Not goes, for your English folks. It's I mean the animals, not the ladies. <laughs> Right, right, right. Not the birds. Right, not the but birds. the birds. Uh, you also uh, go scuba diving, which is a very time-consuming, expensive, and dangerous thing to do. Yeah, I don't do that as much anymore. You know, uh, and, uh, you know, you do a podcast. You're interested in recovery. You also, um, what, what other, um, you know, you play guitars, right? You've got a thousand guitars everywhere. You um, meditate. You meditate. Like, so you're doing, and so I think when these things 
start to not make you feel better, mm. start to become something you're stressing about. Interesting. Right? Then it's too much, and then you have to dial it back. So there are some days, like, and I'm, and I'm prone to, I would say, mild clinical depression every now and again, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just, you know how it is. You sit around, you don't want to do anything. Everything sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, but there are some days when I sit here and I look at the camera and I look at the guitar and I look at, you know, all the other stuff around here. And I think to myself, like, I should be doing one of these things. And right. the fact that I'm not stresses me out. Like, so even with exercise, it's like I, I have committed to like working out with weights like every other day, even though they don't seem to do anything to my physique. <laughs> but I know that as I get older, it's important for me to maintain muscle mass. So I do it and I dislike it. Mm. And it stresses me out that I have to do it every other day. So maybe don't do it. But then I will get weak. Well, and, right. and, and I will not be able to, you know, perform other things. So like, mm. so some things like have to stay, even though I'm not going to label that as self-care. Right. For, for me, that would be running. Okay. And when I got myself running, that was an extremely fantastic form of self-care that I very, and you remember if you guys go back to the show when I was doing my yeah, running, you were like, I was so, so high, fucking into it. <laughs> I was high as hell. Yeah. I was feeling great. I listened to Rich Roll's entire book, Running, Finding Ultra. Uh Finding Ultra, yeah. uh, great book. Rich Roll, he's please, gonna be on the podcast. Please, Rich, come on our show. <laughs> um, Working on it, and um, and as as hard as it was for me to get moving and doing that. Every time I finished my run, which was maybe three or four times a week, I wasn't going nuts. It wasn't every day. And I was doing three to four miles tops. That's great, though. You know, and and I felt like I won, bringing it back to the Super Bowl. I Mm. felt like I won something when I finished. And then what happened was when I I had to stop for a bit because I went on a trip and whatever, uh, it was impossible for me to get myself moving again because of the inertia. It just... See, I wasn't in motion. I couldn't stay in motion. The secret to that is to never stop. I know. <laughs> I, and I think back on that. And I and I even said it on the show because, and, and then the working out fell off too. Like the whole thing, I lost my momentum and I, my life changed. Everything changed and I could not fit it back in. So one of my goals for my self-care coming up is buy a new pair of Brooks because I saw a pair of yours upstairs that look mm. really cool. I kind of want them. <laughs> the bespeckled ones that were like black oh, and white. Those are actually jacks. Oh, they're yeah. cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, anyway, I, I want a pair of Brooks and then that'll, cause I'm also a consumer nutcase. I love mm. to buy things. I get, I get, I'm a shopper. That's, that's more self care for me right there is Amazon. Buying stuff, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but see there, I, I tend to overdo the buying. I've I've really had to rope myself in on that because, you know, we've we've been talking about taking the podcast and doing more video and stuff. And like, I I get on there, I start researching stuff. I end up buying all this shit. Like I buy this, I bought this little zoom camera for like, to record like music performances. And I'm like, do I really like a camera to record music? Let's hook this studio up. Like (laughs) Like, I'm planning on spending a lot of time down here. The thing is, it's like, like, it's like you get, it's like you can, you can chase those rabbits so deep down the holes, yep. you know, like, like with like, 
you know, the podcast is one of the hobbies, mm-hmm. right? And you can just go out there and just we can go nuts. You could go nuts. Let's do it. But the thing is, you shouldn't go nuts. Please like go you nuts. have to. Act. I know. Please, I let's know. go nuts. I on want your credit. To. I with want your credit card. Yeah, I know. Well, that's actually, the, <laughs> but I, I, I would see. I'm a gear junkie, even yeah. though like I end up buying stuff and I never end up using it. You know, it just sits we're around. Gonna, but we're going to use this. We've got people listening. But now. it's the same thing with exercise, right? Like, yeah. like I have to run every day, every day. Yeah. Like I can take a day off. It's amazing. Every other week that. or so. But it's not good for me. Just so you guys know, Mike is standing up and I am now sitting down and it's very... Here, I'm going to stand up now too. Okay, you stand up too. I, I'm, I'm all... And now we're both standing up. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I'm getting that way too. Like a couple of times I had to stop myself from buying, like I had all this stuff for the podcast and that like, you know, new microphones, mm-hmm. two preamps, right. like the whole shit. And I'm like, that's oh, like three grand. I'm I like, know. <laughs> I know. But, but I mean, the, the larger point to that is like, you can, you can do that with anything, you yeah. know, and, and it, it really, it's, it's, it's dopamine yeah. is what it is. You it's have a, to hold it's addiction, back. It's addiction whack-a-mole to some extent, like even self-care is because if you do things, if we do things that feel good, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes in the back of my head, I'm like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I like to do it? Is this good for me? Or am I doing it like because it gives me a dopamine hit? And because, and, and then I say to myself, well, does it matter? It's right. a healthy thing to do. Running is a healthy thing to do. Sure. Uh, lifting weights is a healthy thing to do. Although I think I tore my rotator cuff a couple of weeks ago, but that's... That's not good. But also, you know, it's that's a great point as far as checking in with yourself. And I was talking to one of our employees, um, you know, I'm getting to know these people and I, and people tell me things that they probably shouldn't, you know, all the time. I don't know what it is about me, but I always get people like they think I'm a therapist, no matter what setting I'm in. When I was at the store, it was people coming in the shop. In any case, this particular employee was somehow he came up about, you know, uh, his, um, his depression. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I found myself, you know, counseling him, and but what I said kind of surprised me, you know, because I was like, oh, that's a great idea, you know. It just kind of came out, and I said, you know, it's important that when you're feeling that way, or you feel like a depression coming on, that you check in with yourself and you think, well, why do I feel this way? Is this something that is just happening to me, or am I sad about something? Mm. And the process of checking in with yourself, you know, it doesn't cure it, but it gives you an outside perspective, maybe from yourself, to say, like, you know. Maybe I don't need to feel this way. Or like what I used to do when I was running in the summer, if I found myself getting into that anxious mode where I was like, you know, clenching my teeth, I'd say, you know, I got to go for a run. Like, cause I would say to myself, I got to do something about this. Mm. It's a warning sign. This is when I used to drink. Right. This is when I would used to use. So, you know, know thyself. Yeah. Two thoughts. Two thoughts about that is, uh, is any element of, of self-care has to, I think, have some kind of checking in with the self. And I think the best way to do that is through meditation. And it doesn't have to be a lot of meditation. It could just be a little meditation, like 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. But that you set aside that time to check in with yourself, to sort of figure out what's going on inside your head, right? Because... If you don't have that relationship with yourself, you can just go firing off willy-nilly in every direction. And maybe one of those directions someday is like down the street to the bar. And that's when, (laughs) I'm going to bring it back to this, that's when your inner addict who's waiting in the wings, if you haven't properly attended to him or her, 
that's when they jump in and go, this is, go, go, go grab a drink. Right. You know, this is when you go get a drink. And so, you know, and I think a lot of this is stuff that you can work out if, you, if you're new to it with a therapist, with even a psychologist who does talk therapy, or with your group, with your RMA group uh, on Sundays or on the Facebook group. But, you know, it's important to start thinking in these terms, you know, because I'm thinking back to before I got into recovery, this isn't how I was thinking. No. It seems like a natural thought process right now, but this is practiced. It's something that we talk about regularly, so it comes easier. But if you're listening to this for the first time, you know, this is something to start thinking about. Like, you know, be your own best friend. I always say that. Pay attention to what your body is doing. And uh, and then you can take steps, hopefully, to mitigate the things that... And that's why they tell us, you know, look at your triggers. I think that's mm. sort of what they're trying to do. And, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these, if any of you guys have been in rehabs, you know, there's always a class, quote unquote, on triggers and how to deal with triggers. And it's like a whole thing. Like, what are your triggers? Yeah. They have you listing your triggers. But this is really just a process of starting to identify things you may be encountering or doing that you don't realize. I was thinking about triggers the other day and thinking how it may not be good to sit there and make a list of things that trigger you because anything can trigger you in the right circumstance or the wrong circumstance. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense as far as look, every time I go to this bar, I drink. Yes. That's a trigger. That's okay. Going to a bar is a trigger to drink. Many, many times it is. Or I used to have a friend who we used to always do Coke with. And so anytime I saw him, I started to feel it. My tummy right. rumbled a little bit. I, my mouth got dry before I even touched it. But it's that's a, a trigger. Pavlovian response. Absolutely. I mean, but you can sort of, if you don't feel like sitting around thinking about what triggers you to use, you can also just sit there and do the check-in with yourself and yeah. kind of figure out where you're at. Because if you are strong in your recovery, that trigger, the like that trigger is not going to do anything to you. Like I can go to the bar and get the double zero beer at the Super Bowl, and I right. I, but you know, while while in another circumstance that might be a trigger for me. So I think it's too hard to always be sort of wondering, like thinking about, well, shit, is this a trigger, or am I going to get triggered yeah. by that? Better to just keep yourself in a state where you have developed some self awareness. I mean, look, self care. Some days it's running a 5K race. Some days sitting on the couch eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's. But, but the only yeah. way to, to figure out what you need is by getting in touch with who you are. And therein lies the key. Um, would you like to make any wrap-up statements about self-care? I think we can move on to our recovery in the news. Oh, um, delightful. Yes. yes. I think we should because we didn't do it last week. Uh, I mean, I, what are some last no, things you want to say about uh, self-care? Know thyself. Know thyself. I think the better relate the 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 closer relationship you have with yourself, the more you understand the way your thought patterns. Thought patterns. Thought, Did I really say that? Thought patterns. Thought patterns uh, arise, and what you do with them, the easier it will be for you to um, stay sober and um, enjoy your life. I mean, and that's what this is all I mean, about. This isn't like recovery is not supposed to be some sort of grind. It's it's supposed to be. I see it as a voyage of self discovery. It is. That's why I like the term sober knot. I don't know that one. <laughs> sober knot, like like astronaut, astronaut, but, but a sober, sober knot. I love that. Yes. I, we exploring are, inner space. Yes. Yeah. I love that, Mike. I feel like that's what we're doing. You know, it was funny when Mishka made that comment on the show, like. 
um, I hate talking about, you know, sobriety and this is the worst thing. <laughs> I can, I understand that because I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and most scenarios you find yourself in that are about recovery are kind of like that. Yeah. You kind of feel like you're retreading old patterns and, you know, hearing other people's, you know, but the way what we do is a lot more interesting because addiction is is such a wide spectrum of issues and things and like you can take it from the criminal justice aspect where you can study you know the the human mind you can study relationships medicine like to me there's and all of it comes back to what happened to me so it is a self-discovery it's looking at where i've been where i want to go and mapping out how to get there boom yeah i used to think that addiction and um, recovery had everything to do with su- with substances like alcohol and and certain drugs. They and make it, you and feel it, that way, and it does. But it's much bigger than that. Yes, right? because it doesn't end when is, you stop drinking. Or no, using. addiction is such a it's a it's a process. It's a it's a it's a state of mind. It's a condition. It's a human condition. It's a pathological coping mechanism. It's it's everything that's wrong with society, mm. you know, today. And, you know, and that will tee us up for uh, Evan Haynes. Yes. Uh, show note, uh, Evan Haynes, March 10th, uh, Can America Recover is his book, and he's going to be coming on the show. We're very excited. It's um, ready to go. So pick that book up. And if you can finish it by the time we have him on, I will buy you lunch. Why don't you start a uh, Why don't you start a Discord server for that book and call it a book club? The book club. The book club. This is something we're That's doing. That's kind of a heavy tome. Yeah, maybe as we the don't first book. Let's not <laughs> for start the book club with that one. But maybe we start could. with the Tao of Pooh. The Tao of Pooh. I actually I've never read it, but I owned it. It was one of those books that yeah. I, I kept on my I think shelf. Everybody had one. Yeah, yeah. I think an ex girlfriend bought it for me. Yeah, mm. it's a good book, but the Tay of Piglet, not so much. He turned bitter. Piglet, yeah. get very cynical. Anyway, it's time for recovery, recovery in, in the news. No. Ah, I it is in tune, though. It felt so good to sing that since not singing it last week. Was it building up? It was building up. Was hey, building did, you up. Feel, did you feel a release? I did. Full release. Full release. <laughs> Full <laughs> trigger point release. Yeah. Okay, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I was macking on Fox News for their shitty reporting. And today, I'm going to turn the tables and mac on CNN for its shitty reporting. <laughs> we are a... Uh, Equal opportunity shitting on news organizations. Yes, right. So anyway, uh, CNN, uh, you sent me this article, in fact. Yeah, I saw this on TV, uh, and I thought, you know, it was a story on on one of their shows. I go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And my wife called me, and she goes, did you see this? And I said, oh, wow. Oh. And then, uh, yeah. So... Uh, I guess it was a segment on a show, but the title of the article that I read in preparation for the show is uh, Experimental Brain Surgery May Help Some People Overcome Drug Addiction. And um, the story starts with the, the story of, um, of uh, uh, a kid in Morgantown, West Virginia, who uh, was a heavy drug user. He was addicted to opioids for more than half of his 33 years. Um, and... 
uh, the kid had gone through rehab and he never was able to string days together. And he was approached um, uh, by some scientists who were doing a study and they asked him if he would be willing to try some brain surgery for addiction. And uh, it was a research team at the Rockefeller Neuroscience Institute uh, at the University of West Virginia, which is about 10 miles away from their house. And um, uh, the, the young man was already a patient at the Institute. He was being treated by uh, Dr. James Mahoney, who was a, a specialist in substance abuse. Um, I'm not sure what medical specialist that would be. Is that a neurologist, do you think? A specialist in substance, or is there a separate addiction medicine specialty? I think there I don't, is, right? Th- I think there is. I've been to so many different doctors who claim to be addiction specialists. I've seen so many different, like addictionologists, and you know. Yeah. So I'm not even sure. I don't know. Just a, a side thought, but um, but uh, this kid's last name is Buckhalter, so that's how I'll refer to him because that's how the article does. So he was a. Um, he was an athlete. He was a basketball and a football star. Uh, he was fielding Division One scholarship offers in the 10th grade. The local newspaper had named this kid Mr. Everything. But his senior year, he got a shoulder in- injury, uh, and he got a prescription for opioids. And he was prescribed the pills for six weeks. And then, you know how that story goes. He started finding them on his own. And by the time he was in his 20s, he was using heroin. Um, and when, uh, Dr. Mahoney proposed the surgery, he was at the end of his rope. He had never been able to string together more than a few days or a couple of months. So he said, yes, let's do it. Um, so there was a four person research study at the university of West Virginia, which was testing the safety and feasibility of something called deep brain stimulation, uh, DBS as an addiction treatment. And what they do with DBS is they drill a hole in your skull they insert an electrical probe, which is a little piece of wire about a millimeter wide. And then when the probe is in place, uh, you know, you're sedated, but you're still awake. And then they show you a series of images on a monitor, piles of drugs (laughs) and other uh, pictures meant to induce cravings uh, and the anxiety that that had haunted Buckhalter for 17 years. Based on his responses, he adjusted the probe a little to the left, a little to the right to make sure it sat in the correct position. And the hope was that the electrical signal would restore healthy function to damaged brain areas, areas that had been damaged by the drug use, and free him from the nonstop craving that held him prisoner. A couple thoughts on that. They already used deep brain stimulation for treatment of Parkinson's disease, right? Um, which, interestingly enough, uh, and I think... Um, What's her name? Talked about this in her book on dopamine that Parkinson's disease is a dopamine related condition. It affects the same oh, transmission systems yeah, as, as, uh, as, as addiction in the dopamine system. And it's, um, it's successful to some degree with Parkinson's, which, which is interesting. And they also use it to treat uh, epilepsy and obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, it also calls to mind, I don't know, you ever see Clockwork Orange? Yeah. Where they, oh, yeah, yeah. you know they they, they hold they, the eyes open. They hold the eyes open and they show them scenes of violence and rape in order to like, yep. you know, try and uh, you know make him not violent and rapey anymore. Mm. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so then the the article goes through the overdose rates in West Virginia and stuff, and um, and you know the overdose rates overall in the United States. But uh, and then they talk about the dopamine uh, and the nucleus accumbens, which is the overactive part of the brain that you know is is hijacked to seek dopamine. Um, 
and they have had some success with this deep brain stimulation. It's a very small study, but apparently they have had success with it. Mm. But so, what, so there's a but. But the but is um, what is the but? The but is uh, it was successful in in his case, and he's been two and a half years sober right now. So you would think great success, right? Um, he also for the first time after the study was put on naltrexone mm-hmm. and had an intensive uh, outpatient program where he was followed up uh, constantly and had a lot of different people participating in his recovery. So I'm not sure how you tease out what was the result of the direct brain stimulation and what was the result of the naltrexone. Yeah. I mean, and, I got a lot of buprenorphine or whatever it was yeah. he was taking and uh, combined with the intensive therapy. Um, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, when they throw the kitchen sink at you and throw in an experimental thing, that's like what I did. I, I don't know what part of what I did finally, like, nailed it, you know, but um, who knows? You know, they they don't have any better... I, I, studies I, of it, or no? And, but they're they're going to they're going to fund new studies because this one was successful, right. In some degree. But let me ask you this: like, we have a nation full of people who are addicted to things. Are we going to put probes in everyone's brains <laughs> and hook them up to a machine well, like a couple this, times a week? Like this I, reminded me instantly of lobotomy. When I, I mean, I didn't. This is before I understood what they meant by brain surgery, mm. but. You know, the last time we were talking about brain surgery to fix people's mental illness, mm. this was a lobotomy, and then this was Thorazine, and that did not work out so good. Well, I mean, isn't it also a little reductive in that, you know, you're you're just saying that the addictive problem is something that you that can be cured with by sticking something in your brain and electrifying you? I mean, yeah, you know, and I think most do w- experts don't think that that's the case. They're not even saying it's a gene anymore. It's more of a constellation of um, right. problems so, or issues. So do we need the electric brain stimulation as a tool alongside of the naltrexone and the buprenorphine and the intensive therapy or or what? Or do, I mean, I think all of that is good, and, and who knows? I mean, is this damaging at all? This kind of brain surgery, or is it like that ECT treatment that is very light? From what they tell me, and it's just sort of. You know, I don't know. I don't. Maybe I don't helps. know how light electroconvulsive therapy is. <laughs> I was. They were always trying to get me to do that. Were they really uh, at, at different places? I went to. I, I had the my first Suboxone doctor because they have to have a specialty in it in order to prescribe it. He's like, I just got this new machine. He's dead now, by the way. Uh, aside from being dead, he was actually he had some interesting uh, practices. He he bought one of those machines, and he was very An proud ECT of it. machine. Yeah, he's like, I just got this really cool machine, you know. And uh, he's like, it's been working great for depression. And and I was like, uh, I don't think I want to <laughs> do that. And he's like, No, it's not like it used to be, you know. And I said, thanks, I'll take your rain check, and please give me my Suboxone now. Uh, so that was coming back at around, I don't know, a bunch of years ago. And, you know, so it's more accepted today. Anyway. I, I think if you look at uh, Evan Haynes' book that we were just talking about, he goes through a little bit of the history of ECT therapy as a treatment for mental illness, and really there's not a lot of evidence behind its effectiveness. But, uh, you know. Mm. 
But I don't see. know. I mean, this is deep brain stimulation. It's 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 a different animal. Um, can it be used in conjunction with other therapies? I mean, I think the jury's still out on it. Um, mm. I just I, I I have to question like the the push that CNN kind of the the spin they put on the article that this is uh, the potential has the potential to be some great treatment for uh, addiction when it was a, a study of four people and when the you, there were all these confounding variables you know, in this guy's uh, treatment experience that could have accounted for, you know, the the um, the recovery that he's been experiencing for the last two years or the fact that he turned 33 and that a lot of people tend to age yeah. out of drug use. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can draw any conclusions based on that study. Well, Maybe just enough to get a little funding for another study. Yeah, it's know? an interesting aside. And I love to see all of these new things that are going on, trying to treat uh, addiction, trying to find new ways to help us get sober um and uh yeah very interesting yeah check out this article um mike will put it in the show notes at some point recovery in the news that's it yeah. all right i'm so <laughs> fucking tired all right week in weird by who tim banal no this week what? it was not tim banal <laughs> I was amazed because I went to my usual place on Coast to Coast AM where we get these articles, and uh, it was someone named Ryan Stacy. Is he okay, Tim Bedell? I hope so. He might be on vacation. And uh, oh. the, the article is, Canadian Sasquatch destination gets million-dollar boost. Yes, back to Bigfoot. It's been so long. <laughs> the next time Sasquatch is spotted in British Columbia, Canada, he might have a smile on his face. Thanks to a recent <laughs> grant by the province's government, the visitor center that's home to the Sasquatch Museum in the village of Harrison Hot Springs will reportedly soon receive $1 million to put toward a new building that expands its offerings to fans of the Harry legend. He definitely took his writing cues from Tim Bedell. Yes, he did. Construction is expected to begin as early as summer of this year and in a statement that's sure to generate almost as much controversy as the existence of the creature himself, a local tourism official asserted that the new attraction will make Harrison the Sasquatch capital of the world. Wow. Uh, in addition to the That'll activities really bring him in. And, and exhibits <laughs> the project brings, plans for the expansion include uh, the museum's commitment to continue to honor the Stiles, the area's First Nations people. Um, that That's a word I didn't pronounce properly. It's like style. It, it's a... It's the First Nations people name. And known to them as Sasquets, the creature has long been part of their traditional lore as a supernatural being who watches and protects their land. Hmm. What does one put in a Sasquatch museum since there is no evidence of such a being? Well, you got to take a really big mannequin, you put glue on it, <laughs> and lots of hair. Yeah, and... I mean, do you have that shaky film that people took and of a, that Sasquatch roaming around? A giant prosthetic penis right on the front. <laughs> is anybody still listening? <laughs> Hello. And that is Weak and Weird. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> and on 
On the note of the giant prosthetic penis, we will take our leave of you. <laughs> yes, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Oh, it was awesome. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube. Can't find the end. Oh, Twitter. So tweet us a twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Join our private Facebook group. Buy a t-shirt. Write and say hello. Join us. Sorry. (laughs) Yawn in the middle. I'm sorry. Join us on Patreon where we get extra bonus shows. We have a great Discord discussion server. That's patreon.com slash recovering the middle ages. Watch Nat get attacked by a small white dog. Yeah, there's going to be some funny videos up there. Get the video interview of Mishka and a few other, you know, episodes on there. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our little show, please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next time. Be good, friends. Bye.